This episode is sponsored by Bigger City. Thank you so much for supporting us and helping our show to grow. Hello and welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. I'm Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser, and today I am Taco Boy. Taco Boy. Taco Boy. Yes, just had a lovely, lovely lunch of tacos, and um, um, it's it was taco-rific. Oh. Ooh. I like that word. Hello, I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub, and I'm Taco Boy's sidekick. Um Snack bell. Uh, uh, <laughs> chocolate croissant lad. <laughs> because it tacos, just rolls off the tongue. Because tacos and chocolate croissants go together like gasoline and bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Michael Willer. I am a chubby chaser. And uh, today I am a grateful espresso boy because mm. I was, this is our second episode of the day. I'm lagging a little bit and Dan was kind enough to, to gift me his espresso. Go-go juice. I gave yes. you go-go juice. <laughs> As he put it, lots of lots of instant espresso and milk and a stevia sweetener, sweetener of some kind. Yes. It's very tasty. So thank you. Hey there, my name's Don. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today I am Taco 2 today. <laughs> <laughs> taco 2 today. <laughs> Is that a plan, Taco 2 today? Because I have also had tacos today. <laughs> Welcome back, dear well, now that we <laughs> Now that we've updated you on our eating habits. <laughs> they all want our tacos now. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We're glad that you made it. Um, we are at the end, at this point, we will be at the end of July, should be. We're recording this in June, but yeah. we'll be at the end of July. Um, we think you're at the end of July, dear listener. And this will be the last, hopefully, and I think, I feel confident in saying this, we said it last episode, this will be the end of the every other week era. So starting in August, after this episode, we will be back to our once per week uh, release schedule. We'll be doing two episodes online and two in person. The we best of everything. The family size podcast, economy size. <laughs> king size. Grab king bag size. size share, shareable size. I think yeah. they should just change king size to fat ass size. <laughs> <laughs> that would, there'd be no blowback about that at all. Would there? No, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. It's back to school, so you're getting a big, a big variety pack of episodes. <laughs> the summer's heating up too. I guess technically we are just really the full fat version, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, so the housekeeping, housekeeping. Thank you to our um, to our Patreon peoples. Uh, we thank love you very much. Um, thank you also to our listeners. It's possible we have hit a hundred reviews by now, and we just don't know it yet because <laughs> this is the future. So. Um, thank you. If we have, and if not, then you suck. And why are you even oh listening? My oh God. my God! We live Jesus. for your reviews. We <laughs> live for them. We love them. This is Michael having his little espresso. He's a little. I'm in my espresso. I'm feeling it. He's I'm a fiery. little fiend. Like when you give a little kid coffee, it's like, no, it's mine. It's, <laughs> I, I'm spicy, Michael. Now, yeah. Um, wow. Uh, we have either released or are about to release the minisode with me and Don, depending on how we know it'll the be out. Down. It'll be out now. I have declared. Okay, he's manifesting it. Yes. that'll come back later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be about some subject that we have yet to determine. Oh no, no, no! Oh. It's a very special episode. Oh right, right. Yes, it's a special episode that you have to be on Patreon to know about. Um, much like other other behind the scenes content, minisodes, yeah. etc. Bob Aran will have come out. Oh, this the, yeah. The there was um, Baran. Michael found we some lost footage <laughs> um, <laughs> of us singing Baba Baba Ram. Yep, yep, Baba Ram. Um, classic 
what, 60s, 50s yeah. uh, American It's funny, I remember that, song. but I have no idea like, Why when. were we singing this? Because sometimes we get giddy. <laughs> it was, it was like, early days, it Don, usually, early days. To be fair, it wasn't that early. It, this no, was it was year. early days. This <laughs> was like last year. It usually starts, we're trying to get started recording, and I've hit record or I'm about to, and nobody else has really realized that I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, we're starting. And then Trevor will realize, and he'll start singing something random. Yes. And then I'll join in, and usually Don joins in pretty quickly, and then Dan begrudgingly <laughs> joins in only to try and end well, it. Well, yeah. usually when Trevor starts a song, it has to do with either butts or farts. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or it's the Lamb Chop song that never ends. This is a song. Okay. No. Moving on. No. Let's, Michael, you got to hit that button. You got to okay. take us. Let's do it. That was me drinking a big, delicious sip of espresso. <laughs> Man, it's uh, just so, amping up, 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 up and up and up and up. I love that. We're starting here live with the Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood Reporter, you say? Hollywood, starring Harvey Guillen, who is bringing big and short bombshell style back to the red carpet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally talking about his fashion and his style. It's a whole interview. It's delightful. But I love the, it's literally as opposed to the big and tall store, which is an actual store. He says we should have the big and short store. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, that speaks to me in a way. <laughs> That very few people can understand. Yes, my little short king. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the short kings. One day we're going to get our little yeah. step stools and rise up. <laughs> to chest heights. Um, no, just as always, you know, we're talking about fashion on a podcast. And the the photos in this, the fashion. He's so beautiful. The glamour, the shiny shoes. Oh, my God. There's a photo of him wearing... I don't even know how to describe the outfit, but he's on the rooftop yes. of a building in Los Angeles. Look with the hills in the background and the like the blue sky and the green hills because it's rained a lot this year. So yeah. they're actually green. Very green. And he's wearing this like aqua teal. Mm -hmm. We're talking green. about Harvey Guillen in case you missed that. Yeah. yeah. And he's doing this like acrobatic kick, like, yeah. like dancer ballet-esque kick with this outfit in the bright sun. And he's like the most vibrant thing in the photo. It's amazing mm -hmm. yeah. it's just such a good illustration also the term pussy button what? is used at the top if you look at the article at the very top the first photo of him is wearing a sort of um baby blue sheer shirt that they describe as pussy button as and i don't know what you don't know okay. i don't know what that means it sounds filthy it does sound filthy no sorry pussy bow pussy bow sorry pussy bow I, I still don't know what it means. <laughs> That's only slightly better. It's only slightly better. <laughs> it's even dirtier. Um, well, pussy button conjures a very specific image, I suppose. It does for me. Okay. Anyway, moving on. He has a fantastic, fantastic yeah, interview. It's, it's a wonderful interview. It talks about kind of his, um, you know, becoming a fashion icon and then like the struggle of being, you know, the fat friend shopping and, you know, being able to get a bracelet and mm -hmm. also like, Early on, you, in his you might want to draw that up. So basically, you know, I, you know, I got a dress. I got this cool shirt. I got a bracelet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because the what struggle to find, find stuff that fits, um, and his whole kind of the the journey in his career of, you know, uh, costume wardrobe person. Yeah, just kind of like oh, throwing their throwing their hands up and be like, can you just bring some of, some yeah. of your own clothes? Because so, like I can't find anything. Or where little, do you shop? Yeah, yeah. and I, could, I just as a side note, that was entirely my experience when I was doing acting work. Well, let's clue the listener in. So a little inside baseball about the way that a set works. Is yeah. If you're an actor, you have a wardrobe 
team usually, or at least one person who's dedicated to you if you're a star. And a lot of times they'll say, like if they're looking for options for your character, they'll say to you, where do you shop? So that I can just go immediately to the things that you are comfortable in, that you know, that you're familiar with, mm -hmm. and then I can build from there. You know, I as the designer can take that and I can start building on top of it. Well, when you ask a fat person this, oftentimes they don't have a lot of good yeah. answers for you. Yeah. Like they, aren't, they either don't have a lot of options or they're not satisfied with where they shop. And so he said in the case of one uh, custom designer um, that they gave up. They were like, I can't find anything for you. Like, yeah. I can't, I just can't find anything. And he's like, look, <laughs> the struggle's yeah. real. Like, mm -hmm. this, yeah. is, this is my point. I had that experience when I was doing acting work. Uh, they would either make, they, at first they would just make me bring in some things. And then when they tried to costume me, this is back when casual mail was up. Yeah. They basically said, like, we can't costume you. It's outside our budget. Ugh. Like, oh, my God. The stuff basically just, the, the prices increased because of the fat tax. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, I don't know the, the budget of the, the shows and productions you were working on, but a lot that of times. That one was 24. Like, they had a budget, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck off, yeah. then. Come on. Like, yeah. Um, anyway, so I, one of my favorite comparisons he said was, like, it, we've talked about this before, the idea that, like, oh, you know, such and such clothing companies like, well, our sales have been down this quarter, this year, whatever. It's like, mm. but there's a whole, if you just increased your sizing range, there are mm -hmm. a lot of people that are desperate to spend their money, that would love to spend their money on your product if uh, you had their size. And he gives the pretty woman uh, comparison <laughs> of like yeah. the scene where Julia Roberts in her sort of, uh, you know, more street outfit goes into some high-end fashion on Rodeo Drive. Store, right, mm -hmm. and she shows up shopping because she's got the money, but she doesn't look like she's got the money, and they basically say, oh, we don't have anything for you. And he's like, I would love to go back to a store that has no sizing for me, yeah. shopping, just to tell them, oh, you, what, what's the quote again? She's like, I came in yesterday and you didn't have my size. Big mistake. Huge. Like, <laughs> that's how huge. That, that's huge. Yeah. Like, but I mean, we're at an absurd point right now. I live in Los Angeles, right? I live in Hollywood. It's the heart of Los Angeles. I have to drive a minimum of 45 minutes to buy clothing. Because big and talls are not located in the city. Yeah. 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 In yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Which is huge. Mm -hmm. Just as a sprawl should have all yeah. kinds of different options. Well, they used to. To be fair, all those we used to have places all around us, but since the rents have been jacking and jacking yep. and jacking and jacking up, uh, they've all folded and it's gone to the hinterlands. Um, <laughs> he also talks about, um, in this article... Uh, working with Christian Siriano. Oh, yes. You know, Hello, Christian. Thank ally. you for coming to the rescue again. <laughs> um, and wearing a pink tweed suit. I love this so To much. the Met Gala, which was, you know, the theme was Carl Lagerfeld. Who, and honoring Carl Lagerfeld. And yes. so he shows up in pink because it's Carl Lagerfeld's detested color. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like the pink tweed of just like a, a tiny little fuck you to someone mm -hmm. who was famously anti-fat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Famously. Like, I don't make clothes for fat people. How could yeah. I possibly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've heard that even from budding designers. Like, I wouldn't sully my brand. That doesn't ex even exist yet, dude. I've seen Doofus's yeah. Project Runway say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to wind up at a Kmart. Yeah, every yeah. time they did a fat episode on Project Runway, you were guaranteed to have at least two designers complaining about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But uh, with people like Harvey Guillen and uh, Lizzo taking the forefront on f being fashion forward on mm -hmm. the red carpet, mm -hmm. um, we're starting to see real representation for bigger bodies in very public arenas. And yay for that. Yay! Yeah. yay. And again, Christian Siriano, like, 
really being like that high fashion champion, which is fantastic. And like mm. being one of the first to step up and like, yeah. oh, sure, of course I'll do that. And put their name on it. Yeah. yeah. And I was saying to Don earlier that I imagine that there's like a bat phone <laughs> in his office <laughs> that for, you know, any fat celebrity when they need something, they can just ring him. And one of those phones like, with no dial. Um, okay. Well, we have another fun story. I, I like this episode, as opposed to last episode, which had some real downer stories. Mm. I, this one, we're, we're on a tear um, with this one. I think I think Dan should set this one up, just, yeah. just because it's so in... This is uh, a New York Times article. Oh, yes. Uh, I love this interview, one. Yeah. Well, do you want to... Now that you remember, <laughs> do you want to... <laughs> oh, this one. The one that I like. The, this one. <laughs> um, so this comes out of the New York Times. Uh, Emily Morse, like Spelled like Morse code. Uh, the title is Emily Morris wants you to think seriously about an open relationship. I, and just have, real quick, I have to interject and say that I love the picture of her for this article because it's kind of like, I don't know, it makes me think of like sassy wine aunt. Yes. Like your yes. aunt that's going to be like, give you like, here, you can have a sip of wine and let's talk about, <laughs> well, and let's talk about non-monogamy. <laughs> she is wearing this, this really, really beautiful Kelly green sweater with like salmon pink skirt. Dun dun dun! <laughs> so it's really it's really unusual, and they've given it a bit a red bra- red background. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is of the article is not what she's wearing. <laughs> that, was the, that was our last segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the point of the article is that she actually delayed uh, the release of a book because she says, "No, I have to put this chapter in that I haven't written yet that I'm gonna about non-monogamy." And the editor said, like, good heavens, what for? And she said, oh, by the way, she's a sexologist. And she said, because more and more of her clients are asking her about it, it is becoming increasingly uh, an option or a question or something to explore for a lot of, um, you know, cis, straight couples. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) oh, finally. So, I mean, for for some of us, like, non-monogamy is an old conversation. But for Mm. a lot of straight people, it is very recent and very dangerous to the point where they're saying things like, you know, ethical non-monogamy. I'm sorry, all non-monogamy is ethical. Otherwise, it's called cheating. (laughs) (laughs) That's like liquid. It's like saying, you know, solid ice. That's what ice is. It's (laughs) solid. So, um, but she has a really good article here talking about a lot of, you know, the, you know, how you might go about it, but more importantly, like the function it serves. And I, I really, a lot of it is very constant with me in the stuff that I've said over the years, either in articles or seminars. Even the way that she talks, at least in written format, I was like, man, I really see a lot of Dan in this. Yeah. <laughs> the way that she just, it's I don't so know. True. It's very it's, true. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I'm not her, Michael. That's, that, it's, even don't, don't, I, I do have yum. to point out we've How never many, actually seen you and her in the same room at the same time. I have no sense. And you're both wearing red, at least in this photo. <laughs> And you say don't yuck their yum. Like that is something I've only yeah. ever heard you say and she also well, says. Well, no, it's it's something you want to do in in relationships especially when you're talking like you could be talking about someone's favorite movie. Yeah. Like you know mm-hmm. how awful it is when you have this movie you love and your partner's like, "Oh Christ, that thing." Mm. It just feels awful. And imagine doing that about something really where you there's some vulnerability like a sexual mm-hmm. taste or mm-hmm. something you want to try and some people and you know, and imagine your partner's response is like, "Really? That?" Ew. Yeah, like you can't mm. do that. You can't yuck their yum, because it it is very difficult, if not impossible, to recover from that. Yeah, 
Like that, that's going to stick in the relationship for a while. Yeah. And it's going to infect other things too. Particularly because sex is something that people so frequently avoid talking about. Yeah. And so whatever is there that gets stuck is unlikely to get unstuck just because people don't tend to talk about it. And our, and whoever it was whose yum got yucked mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is least likely to bring it up again. That's right. Um, or they're going to hedge it or they're going to pretend they yeah. don't. In, and again, in not, essence, you're just dropping a little block in your connection with that person. Yeah, and it's you not know? that you have to say, yes, I totally love you. Yeah. You don't have to lie. Yeah, we're not saying that. But you... you you have to come at it from a non-judgmental point of view, which might include someone's, you know, someone's wanting to bring up non-monogamy. And she talks about like how to bring it up and not as like, you know, I had it. We need to be non-monogamous or I'm leaving. Like that would be a bad way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ultimatums. That, yeah. Not, ultimatums never. Not recommended. And can I just say for someone who's not heard me say this before, ultimatums are terrible, not because they do violence to the relationship, but, and they do. But ultimatums are really terrible because they box in the person giving the ultimatum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They force you into an action that you may or may not want to take in the future. Mm-hmm. They make you take it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but she talks about the way of saying it is like, what would you think of? Or, and then you can actually explore it. Yeah, I, I really appreciated also her comparison of, you know, that this is coming up more often for her as she's seen people um, exploring mm-hmm. in, in couples therapy. And maybe it just in therapy in general, but also like the more that people accept that therapy is, doesn't have to be a stigmatized act, mm-hmm. that it can be a way to investigate your feelings and expressing, expressing yourself in a relationship, that as that has become more accepted and more visible, that also talking about sex and openness and ethical non-monogamy, to, to use the redundant <laughs> term, you know, that this can also be talked about um, healthily. Yeah. Healthfully? Healthfully? In a healthy way. In a healthy way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, she talks about, yeah, being a reflection of being, people being more open to it. And also the idea that, you know, again, in the gay world, we've done this for a long time because we were always barred from traditional parts of yeah. life, like, mm-hmm. like marriage. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so, you know, we've always been in the position where we had to kind of invent it ourselves for us, by us. Whereas most heterosexual couples, well, you know, that's on the shelf. You either buy it or you don't. You get yeah. married, you don't. You have kids, mm-hmm. you don't. And like, there's there's no tailoring involved. Yeah. Especially, I mean, at least to the extent of tailoring it to like, hey, should we have a marriage and not be monogamous? Mm-hmm. Right. That mm-hmm. could be huge for some people. Right. One of the, my favorite uh, comparisons she gave, which really illustrated it for me, because, you know, she was talking about like ethical non-monogamy, which uh, you pointed out sounds a little silly, but the way that she compared it was like, there's a way to do this that, can be very, very successful. And then there's a way to do it that is almost guaranteed to fail. Yeah. Which yeah. is in the same, it's sort of the same vein as, you know, being non-monogamous in the same way that you have a baby to save the relationship. Yeah. To save the marriage. Like you're going to focus on something. That was a really interesting comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. there are underlying problems with the relationship that you're ignoring in favor of this other shiny thing. Yeah, I I, I did there are a couple of points I kind of disagree with her about. I wouldn't say that non-monogamy is going to save the marriage per se, but I will say this. One of the best, one of the things that non-monogamy very, solves very well is a sexual incompatibility where the, the rest of the relationship is working really great. The sex isn't. 
And if you're monogamous, you're never going to have great sex again, or at least the sex you want because you are mm -hmm. in this monogamous relationship. And it strains both sides, right? You have someone who can't get what they want and someone who can't give what is wanted. That is equally awful. Mm -hmm. And I've been in that kind of relationship. And non-monogamy, it's not that it fixes in the sense of like some panacea, but it's, well, but it's like, oh, that's the tool we needed in the sense that sometimes a screwdriver does fix a loose screw. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the the point which kind of ends the article is my favorite. It's the, the quote, um, sex isn't just about sex, it's about so many other things. Sex is about your entire life. Sex is about energy, intimacy, and connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she also has a paragraph there where, um, about misconceptions about sex. Yeah. Which I love, it's like every, yes, I, I say this all the time, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah, anyway, a very good <laughs> deep dive. You should totally check it out. And now here we go, we're going. So loud. All right, what do we got? We're we're here with Vice, Vice. and with Demon Derriere, who we talked has, about. Yes, we've we've talked about, and there was a point actually right before we started recording. I'm like, wait, have we talked about this exact article before? And it was <laughs> it was the Guardian. It was one of our Valentine's Day episodes. It was a different, and it was about article. an event, a Demon's event specifically. Yes. Whereas this is an actual interview with them. Yes. Yeah. Which we love to see. We. I, so my, I mean, this is about all things sort of um, fat activism and fat space and giving space to people, not just, not only fat, but also with atypical bodies mm -hmm. and racial diversity. Disability. Abilities, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the, the prompt that I, I got the most meat out of this particular article was um, basically a list. It was how, the question was, how can individuals each work on their own yes. internalized fat phobia, mm. right? And so some of them are very sort of like read, my body's not an apology, learn by doing workshops and blah, 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 blah. But some of them, like we get to journal, write your feelings down. Mm -hmm. um, and then I really liked like language, like be kind to yourself, avoid uh, negative self-talk, like using words like ugly, annoying, gross, mm -hmm. too much. Too much is a subtle one. Like when you say, oh, that person's just too much or like, oh, I'm too much sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a really weird neg that I feel like kind of like slides under because it, it's like, oh, the energy that I, that I bring to the room is too much. It's like, no, it's just you. Mm -hmm. Like, you can, you can be you, and that can be okay. Um, fatten up your social media. That's, I love that phrase. I think no, that's that always is, the best. Yeah, that is really important, especially for, I can think of so many ch closeted chasers who yeah. they mm -hmm. follow everybody but fat people. Yeah. <laughs> or they follow fat people on their burner yeah, on their, <laughs> their burner account, yeah. on their burner phone. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. Break it up in pieces and put it the pieces in different trash cans around town. Yeah. Oh, I don't know that was a thing. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think number six is my favorite. Yeah. This is my biggest advice <laughs> to anyone from kind of fat community is get rid of your shit friends. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which it's just the people's concern for their shitty friends. Yeah, can, like always amazes me because it's like the the people in your life who aren't shitty will still be there. Yeah, when you go through whatever kind of transformation you're trying to manifest for yourself, mm -hmm. and it's just like that. Like they're being they're an ass. That person sounds like an asshole, and like they sound like garbage, and you shouldn't be so concerned with keeping them. But it's I I don't know if it's like you know these people represent an ideal that they are trying to fit into or, or, or it's just a symptom of, a um, 
you know, essentially an abusive relationship, mm -hmm. but on a, on a much different scale than like a romantic relationship where it's just, you, it's what you know. Well, like, I, I know a lot of pleasers get into this pattern of mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, they're, this person is, you know, that other person is the way they are and I'm just going to alter myself so that they don't mind me so much. Mm -hmm. Right. And when, <laughs> when that's what you're used to, anything that's not that yeah. is sort of scary and other and requires you to jump over an imaginary hurdle to get to the other side of. Um, but the reality is like if this person is a, is a shit friend, yeah. is a terrible influence in your life, why? You know, like what, what do you get out of it at that point? Like what did you get to hang out with them? Guess what? You can hang out with a lot of people yeah. that aren't like and I, that. I think that's kind of what's great about this article is because, you know, uh, Demon gives these tips and you can see from the article and talking about their kind of career and journey through all this, what they got when they let go of those shit friends and when they really just kind of made this change. Mm -hmm. And the shit friends version of... Um, of work as well. Yeah. Like the, the diversity hires I've heard, Don, I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times. Like, Oh, we don't have a person of color in this yet. Uh, well, we, we'll make this role, the side role that that'll be our diversity hire essentially. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's like another form of tokenism. It's like forced yeah. tokenism and basically demons way of saying like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to make my own job and make my own rules. And then I'm going to do this my way. And we're going to have fucking everybody involved. I don't, you know, I don't care who they are. Mm -hmm. um, which is just such a radical, like anarchist <laughs> kind <Yeah>. of awesome, <laughs> like punk rock way to do it. I love it. If you're not already after our last, uh, I don't know, episode featuring them, give Demon Derriere a follow on your socials. And uh, get that, that big, thick energy. <laughs> okay. Speaking of big, thick energy. At what point in your life did you like your own big, thick energy? At what point in your life did you dislike your own big, thick energy? We're, I'm, I'm sort of trying to... Is, is this the topic? This yes, we're, of, we're, we're going we're, into the main we're topic. We're working our way towards the topic. And yeah. um, kind of talking about looking at kind of the past and maybe where, how your body's changed and how your relationship to your body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Don kind of brought this up. So do you want to set this up? I feel like, okay, so the, the piece of your life that you're living in right now may look very different to you in 10, 15, 20 years. So with time... How have your perspectives on your own fatness, in fatness in the world, how has it changed? How have you grown? And how is, how is if does location change that? Like distance and time? Like, yeah. were, like were, were there other places that you were able to put yourself in that made you feel, I know for, for, for my money, that is a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, just physically being in Los Angeles mm -hmm. versus being anywhere else. It's like as soon as I get on, off the plane, like I flew to Boston for years because I worked out there and I was uh, dating somebody out there. I now I don't live in Los Angeles anymore, um, but I was you know I've I've come and gone a lot, and every time I'm back, and maybe a little less so recently, but really when I'm here, there is a really like hard to shake off awareness of how I look and feel in my own skin. Mm -hmm. It's like walking past cars on the street and I realize that I'm looking at myself in the windows of the cars when I don't do that anywhere else. 
and it's like, wait, why am I doing like that? Like wondering why if am you I look looking? good enough? Yeah, and it's like, do you know, is my shirt rumpled? Am I sticking mm-hmm. out in weird places? Am I like, is my hair okay? Like, it's, it's a, in a hyper-awareness that I don't have, that I don't have elsewhere. I think that could generally be said to be an urban experience in general. For- yeah, but like Boston, Seattle, like it's, I'm not just talking about uh, rural Okay. Excursions. Okay. Well, well, let me ask. What about this? Because Los Angeles is definitely has a body culture, mm. and I've had this discussion with people in New York versus LA about the fact that in LA your body is kind of part of your wardrobe. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you could wear a form fitting sweater, and that's kind of like dressing up. That could be business casual. That could be something you go to a formal party with, mm-hmm. especially if you put a jacket over it. Whereas in an Eastern, like Chicago or New York or Boston, like, no, 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 no. You're not going to wear anything that sheer. You're not going to wear anything that, that really shows your body. You're going to buy clothes that construct a silhouette. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, the, and the clothes are the statement, not the body wearing the clothes exactly. as much. And, but in Los Angeles, in Miami, um, you, in these places where you don't necessarily wear a lot of clothes. Miami, Generally South, hotter places. Generally yeah. hotter places. Well, but, but they also have to be like fashion. Like I said, Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, Los Angeles, I don't, San Francisco, no, not so New much. Orleans. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, but New Lots Orleans. Lots of linen suits. <laughs> sure, but I'm, but I'm saying that in, in New Orleans, you know, you're, you may not walk into a place with some sort of sheer drapey sweater that's designed to show off your body. Yeah. Not because you don't have the body for it, but because that's not the culture there. It's not the culture. Yeah. I, so it's definitely that. That's a big part of it. It's like when I first moved here, you know, Runyon Canyon, right? Yes. Like how many shirtless, shirtless. like scantily clad people have oh, you yeah. seen mm-hmm. trouncing through and from Runyon Canyon? Mm-hmm. Um, when my, a friend of mine um, from back in Virginia came to visit me for the first time out here, and I was just driving her, I think literally just from the airport to my apartment, and a guy was running down Hollywood Boulevard shirtless, and he was like an Adonis, but I'm kind of used to it because there's a thousand people like yeah. him every day that I see all the time. <laughs> he is but nothing. she's like, <laughs> she was like, oh my God, is that normal out here? Yeah, and it is. And I kind of realized, oh, that is normal. And it's impossible not, you can't not see that. Yeah. And it's, it's, well, so it's part of the present. city's brand. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's not like, it's not like there are no shirtless runners in Central Park. But where there might be one or two in Central Park, there's, there's like, like two or three, a couple yeah. of dozen here. Uh, I would say hundred. <laughs> I mean, we, so the other, just yesterday, um, Dan dropped Michael and I off and we oh, yeah. were crossing the street to go to the diner. Oh my God. And there was like a shirtless model going down the street. But it's, I don't think you noticed it because it's just like a pigeon. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. And, and he was like just an Adana. <laughs> like it is the well, of course he typical is. like... <laughs> <laughs> one of the WeHo wonders. So I think something like in terms of time and this phenomenon that I've, I don't know, been present to lately is um, I got myself a nice little digital frame. Oh. And I have lots of cute pictures on it. Oh, yeah. It's and right it's right over pictures there. of me throughout my life. Mm. And it's just been weird because it's not, it's like I just see pictures and I I Dan doesn't think it comes across, but I remember how uncomfortable I was mm. in like every aspect of my being mm. in that moment. And I remember no. the feeling of like, we're doing a family picture. Everyone, <laughs> like, come on, everyone get together. We have to do the fucking family picture. <laughs> <laughs> and just like this, just like the constant, just like 
I didn't know I had anxiety because that was just my like base level yeah. of oh, just boy. this always just feeling sick and stressed out and uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, and the fear of whatever discovery of like I had, I, there's so much stuff I'm compartmentalizing mm. and even just like seeing myself smaller, but I had so many more body issues then because I was just so uncomfortable in my skin and dealing with so much and trying to come to terms with things. It's I like, I'm not saying that like the, the can't, the thing stresses me out, but just really I was the first couple of days. Cause it, I don't have that many pictures on it. So I've seen all the pictures a couple times, but like really when it, before I added more and it was just like these pictures of myself as like, you know, a kid and adolescent, it was just so weird to, be able to step back into that feeling mm -hmm. and just really get like, oh, I am leaps. <laughs> like I am still an anxious person, but I am leaps and bounds better and just so much more at peace with myself. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like on TikTok now. It's, it certainly is still being drowned by the whole fitness craze, pseudo fitness. But there are more and more guys in their 20s who instead of showing off how like, you know, they dropped those extra 10 pounds that were weighing them down and making them look fat and ugly. Mm -hmm. And now they're ripped and they have, they, they have washboards on their washboards. There is a counter to that, which is these people, usually guys who are like, I used to look like this and they look, you know, amazing and cut and ripped. And now I look like this and they're like much chubbier, no abs. And they're like, and I'm so much happier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they just, it's like, See a lot of that. Yeah. There's like allowing themselves to exhale, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, not suck it in. Well, and not and not be that like that idea that you have to look a certain way to compete, which is a I, I think may, I don't know if it's a guy thing or a girl thing or anything, but there's definitely a sense for guys that you know one must compete. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, you know someone we know who was giving himself a hernia Oof. because he was always just sucking in his stomach. Yeah, because he oh, was wow. just so tightly wound and so just worked up in all this that he didn't even know he was doing it anymore. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I relate to that. Cause like one of wow. my biggest things is especially like with um, my new trainer is like working on breathing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause once again, that's something I know from like seeing those pictures, like just not breathing and just always holding my breath, like all like holding yeah, my breath same. all the time. I and would, not, and not necessarily to look good, but just because you were so anxious. Yeah, yeah. I would. So this, both of those things are incredibly relatable to me. I, when I was a kid, um, I would suffer playing soccer because I didn't want to breathe heavily, yeah. mm -hmm. and I didn't want people to hear me breathing heavily. Mm -hmm. And so I would control my breathing in such a way that I wasn't catch, like I wasn't getting enough oxygen. Yep. to play competitively. <laughs> like I literally oh. just wasn't breathing enough. That was me 100%. Every time I had to do any sort of physical activity in a group, I hated hearing myself breathing heavy. So I would try not to breathe while yeah. doing basketball. Yeah. And oh, it makes it you know, like, really miserable. Like Oh, and exhausting and yeah. painful and like, not, yeah. not great. Not I, fun. Mm -hmm. And if anything, it drove me farther away from physical activity. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, well, especially when you're the person most severely judging yourself for the physical activity. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Like you and, can't get away and, from you. And much less, like, for me, and again, I know, like, I actually enjoy playing soccer, and so I enjoyed the activity, but I know for a fact that because mentality is such a primary 
uh, requirement for playing a sport, maybe more so even than your physicality. You're, you mean you're like your frame of mind? Your, your frame yeah. of mind and what you are thinking about in the moment. Yeah, yeah. If you're focused on something that has nothing to do with the sport, you're not focused on playing the sport. You're not in the moment. You're not yeah. doing well. You're not you, performing. You're never going to kick the goal if you're focused on how you look when you kick the goal. Right. It's, <laughs> it's just going to go badly for yeah. you. And I, as an adult, I play... I'm in far worse shape physically than I was when I was a kid because people get older, but I play so much better because my issues are much better managed such that I can actually be present and in the moment and play the sport and do yeah. it well and not be so focused on all the things that as a kid I was mm -hmm. hyper-focused on mm -hmm. it, every time, which is partially why I ended up playing goalkeeper most of the time when I was a kid, even though I was really good playing on the field. But I couldn't play on the field. I, could, I, I couldn't let myself do that fully. And mm -hmm. so I play goalkeeper that doesn't require running. Yeah. You just have uh, to have reflexes yeah. and some skill. Yeah. So one thing I want to suggest, is, and this is something that uh, you made me think of, Trevor, when you were talking about seeing the older picture of yourself and remembering where you were in that moment. This is an experience I've had before too, right? Um, and it's one I do recommend for anyone. I'm not going to recommend, recommend that anyone live in the past. None of us are. Not a good place to live, mm. live in the present, live in the future. It's all good. I've done that once already. But <laughs> if you have a photo of yourself, right, that strikes a chord on you for positive or negative reasons, right? Um, I had a bunch of photos I just, I never wanted to look at. For mm. some reason, they made me uncomfortable. I dug them out, and I, I when I was putting together an album for someone else, I, I had some of these photos in my hands, and I spent some time looking at them and really remembering what was going on in that moment, what my brain was thinking, and where I am now in comparison to it, right? And so this is a little involved, but like uh, there is one that's me smiling next to a camel, right? Mm -hmm. And you see like my mom's shoulder over there and all this stuff in the background and instantly it comes back. I remember I was smiling like an angel, doing my best to attract all the attention to myself because my parents were fighting mm -hmm. oh my and God, I had to God. try and take that attention that they were throwing at each other over to me so that it would stop, right? Mm -hmm. And then remembering at that same time, I'm like, well, they're taking a picture of me too. I'm fat. I hate the way I look at that age. So I'm trying to push that out of my head, mm. right? And so when you start taking all those contexts and all those little memories and then putting it together and realizing with the perspective of distance across the time, how much you were dealing with at that mm -hmm. time that you never gave yourself credit for and that no one else ever knew about, right? Yeah. This is important stuff for you to know. It helps you appreciate so much more where you've come from and what you have done. And it's very often a perspective we will not get because the memories that trigger those things are things we don't want to look at again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. So don't live in the past, but do not accept your fear of it. Well, and, you know? and the story you make up about yourself, like if, if you remember that moment, like, anecdotally you're like oh yeah god i remember that what a horrible trip that was and then you go back to that photo and you realize oh no it was in yeah. whatever example like oh no this moment mm -hmm. that was memorialized in a photo was horrible but actually there's a lot of rest of things about this trip that i haven't yep. really thought back on that were great it can let you reclaim those like, positive moments that you yeah. bundled with a negative yeah. one mm -hmm. because you were so quick to throw it away yeah and you can just you can you can take what you kind of had imagined and make it more concrete like this is what it was yeah. rather than this is what i'm remembering good or bad or whatever and oftentimes it's quite bad mm -hmm. um which is usually why we avoid it <laughs> <laughs> indeed 
I think also just, I mean, I like the reason I wanted to have the frame and I've like put so many pictures on it is because, you know, I went through that experience kind of when I'm first like really spending time with these old pictures, but also wanting to like grant my, you know, little Trevor some grace Mm. and give some love (laughs) to little Trevor. Um, I mean, there was a picture I shared a while ago on Instagram that is one of the pictures of myself that I hate the most. Mm. (laughs) It is... I'm sharing. I'm showing to everyone right now. It is oh, that, little yeah. Trevor, looking like a maniac with his. Uh, is that your uh, Cub Scouts? Uh, uh, we my Weebelos. Yes, oh, Weebelos. you graduated up. <laughs> yes, uh, you know Cub uh, Cub Scouts Weebelos um, uniform with my Pinewood Derby oh. car that got last place, and it's me and my dad. <laughs> my, my dad did not help me with the car. My mom's boyfriend did. Oh. <laughs> And so there's a lot, there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot there. There's a whole lot going on with that picture. (laughs) And I look like an absolute maniac, but like, I don't know little that I, I think that was a time in my life when I, you know, need to give myself a lot of grace and like, I got through it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in that particular moment you were, it looks like you were super excited. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and just being able to like, like Don said, like be present to that and like kind of recontextualize things. But I think just like what I like about, you know, like I said, having the pictures of like really being able to like give myself some love to a time where I really needed it. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a very, it's kind of what Don's saying. Like that's a very healing exercise. And it's only going to be on the, like the, I think it's like maybe 10 minutes that and you then see it'll it. go to another picture. Well, and right. I, I kind of like, cause you know this, so he's got this, what do you even call it? Digital frame? It's a, a digital frame. It's an aura frame. If they, Aura, if you want to give us money, <laughs> promote your product with, you know, promo code FAT. Yeah. <laughs> I love that it cycles through these photos, right? Because any photo that you're having trouble being with, it kind of makes you be with it, mm. and then it's going to go away. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not cluttering up your world. And for me, a lot of my experience is, again, coming from bodybuilding and former fat kid, it's like you never feel, there's always that, that voice in your mind like, oh, well, that's a problem. You never feel good enough, right? Like, oh, yeah. oh there's, there's that. Oh, what about that? Oh, I wish I could Photoshop that out. And your mind just runs. And then, you know, you look at these pictures from 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago, and you're like, oh, damn. I, why was I worried about how I looked back then? Yeah. Yeah. I looked great. And it's just this reminder that, you know, <laughs> It's sort of like you always look great if you think you do, and you never look great if you think you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just reminding myself that is that that perspective. And it's funny because I also talk talk to some of my clients about that, especially if they're gainers, and you know, making friends with that part of yourself that has these desires. And the things that you were scandalized by five or ten years ago, you know, now is hmm. like no big deal to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's true for some other chasers and for you know all human beings, and maybe not in kink, but in something else. Where it's this like, oh, that's, that's not such a big deal. I can do that. My favorite thing about photos, because I don't have access to a lot of photos. I mean, I'm sure they, they are somewhere. I just don't put them out. Uh, is that I don't really remember most mm. things that well. And so what, looking at a photo of myself from whatever time is like, oh, what was going on there? Yeah. I don't remember. You don't remember. <laughs> that's kind of cool. It's like learning something new about myself. <laughs> Every time is the first time for Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, okay. So is there any other, any final sentiments before we 
move on? Um, I mean, I think I, my thing is just like give, you know, wherever you are and wherever you were, just make sure to love yourself at any point. I think especially, I mean, I we talked about this when we kind of talked about the whole twink death phenomenon. <laughs> like, I think it is especially important to like acknowledge how far you've come, but also give yourself grace and really just kind of give love to your past self. Because Little Trevor. Yeah. Little, little manic Trevor with his eighth <laughs> place out of eight. Oh, <laughs> oh. Oh. Do we have a tip? tip? We do have a tip. Yes, yeah, we do. We have a fun tip today. We a have a tip, tip that tip, ties into a behind tip. the scenes fashion, video. Fashion, fashion, fashion tip. <laughs> um, so last month when I was at Club Chub, I guess two, two months ago when I was at... Oh my God. <laughs> wait, no. This is time. How does time work? Last month when I was at Club Chub, <laughs> oh my God. I purchased some oh, yeah. caftans, some moomoos, some silky robe things from Royal Rubbish. Mm. Uh, and the design, designer <laughs> I just, for Can Royal, I just say I love that name, yes. Royal Rubbish. That's a great name. The designer for Royal it's Rubbish like is uh, Robert Ortiz. Oh, um, you can follow him on Instagram at Royal underscore Rubbish. And you can purchase your very own um, caftan at theroyalrubbish.com. Have you, so I'm assuming you've tried them on. Like how, how's. Yes. They're, so I wear like 7X shirts to give you some perspective. And it is, I think, I don't think there are different sizes. I think there's some minor differences in the sizing. Right now, primarily on the website is uh, t-shirts and hoodies. But there are a couple uh, caftans. Okay. And what I like about these is most of them are a stretchier material. Mm. So I think mm. that's how the this you know slidable sizing works because you know okay. the, um, a lot of the other caftans I've seen don't have sizing, but there is like a max size. Right. And I would say that these you know so I wear seven X and these are there's still room. Nice. Like if if you were you know. Uh, a larger size. Okay. And they're really fun styles. So as of right now, there's three different styles on the website, but I know that they are in the process of updating the website. Styles of caftan or? In, yes. Or, okay. follow, give uh, Royal Rubbish a follow. Check out the website. And if you want an example of what one of these garments might look like. On Trevor. Yes. On, on Trevor <laughs> in particular, uh, we have yet to record it, but we will be doing a little mini fashion show that is going to go up on Patreon. Yes. He's going to so, work it. I yeah. will uh, probably have... Work with an E. <laughs> yes, work. 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 Um, I'll probably also have some like still photos on Instagram at some point, probably by the time this comes out. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, all right. Don, take us into Bitland. Well, since we are doing a show about perspectives and we are doing a podcast that often stretches and challenges many of our perspectives. I was curious, gentlemen, what of your perspectives have been changed by our podcast over the years that we have been doing it? By has, our own podcast. Has your, <laughs> have your eyes been opened to anything? Do you have anything new that you've seen because of the things that we have been looking at here? I mean, I remember being like, I can't be on a podcast. Yeah. Why oh, not? Yeah. What would I do on a podcast? I'm, I don't <laughs> talk. <laughs> I yeah, like <laughs> Trevor's um Trevor's not a vociferous person in my brain. Mm -hmm. Like pre-podcast, I did not see Trevor as somebody who could sit and monologue about anything. 
Now that may not have been true. That was just that wasn't my yeah. experience. I think that was Trevor's yeah. perception of himself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think that's a fair thing to say. And it, I think it took a few episodes, but then mm-hmm. like once we started finding a groove, like Trevor, when Trevor's on a tear about something, like you, you just get so many great nuggets, and um, it's not always like like just today, like the, mm-hmm. you know going back and loving little Trevor, like uh, to me that's the gem. That's the big yeah. takeaway of this episode. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I had a similar thing with the podcast of like, what would I contribute to something like that? Like I, I can do the tech, I can like help put it together, but what, I don't have anything to say. And I think even actually we were talking about this before the show about like improv or like coming up with a prompt. It was when Dom was trying to think of the intro before we mm-hmm. started recording and you're like, well now everything's out of my brain. <laughs> I have that that sort of improv fear of, oh my God, what if I have nothing to say and the spotlight's on (laughs) me? How do I talk? Like, how do I... And that was the case for me for the first couple episodes. Like, I over-prepared because I was terrified of not having something to refer to Mm. because I didn't have that voice yet. I didn't feel like I had a way to contribute. And how, Trevor, uh, Michael, how do you guys feel about being on the microphone now? Oh, it's, I hate it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think even it has, you know, I am far more comfortable and I have found I have gotten more comfortable being off the microphone and talking and just really. It, it transferred to the real world. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, like talking about, like I was always comfortable talking about fat stuff to people in community. Mm-hmm. And other, other fat people. Then it was, so that was like a big step to like being like, okay, it's going out there and people who aren't fat might listen to it. Yeah. And you know, I really kind of got a, a um, an idea of that, you know, after our first Valentine's Day episode, <laughs> when I am pretty sure my aunt heard me talking about full fucking. Somebody asked Michael at the time, my partner, Michael, mm-hmm. um, one of my family members, and I think it was Julia. Yeah. Because I was living with her at the time. She asked Michael is this something I should listen to or, and he was like, you know, if you've heard the first couple episodes, it's probably all you need to listen to. <laughs> oh, cause that was right when the Valentine, yeah. it was because of the Valentine's episode. Was she asking about the Valentine's yes. episode? Oh, oh, yes. He was like, I think you've, I think she wanted to be a supportive sister, but mm-hmm. she didn't want to hear anything. She didn't want to hear about her little, about her little brother. No, older brother, older brother in mm-hmm. her case. Yeah. Her I have an older sister, but yeah. Yeah, um, I get that. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I think the po- I've said this before. I think doing the podcast helped me kind of be more comfortable getting involved with NAFA and just talking about fat politics and just talking to anyone mm-hmm. about fat politics. And like, I think it's been great because I've had so many experiences of being so open and getting like unlikely allyship. Mm-hmm. Um no, like, it's true. I mean, and that's that's what I've always discovered whenever I was like, okay, I'm just going to say it. And <laughs> guess what? The sky didn't fall. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> it may have happened elsewhere. I had that little teeny tiny umbrella that Wiley Coyote has. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the sign that's like, yikes. Yikes. For me, because um, I've been doing this work for a long time, and the two things that I love getting out of the, the scene for the podcast is seeing listeners Talk, like, you know, um, Trevor and Michael, you were just talking about, like, how it's freed you up in so many ways. 
And I really love how the podcast has been freeing up the listeners. Like we get mm-hmm. letters about mm-hmm. how like, oh, wow, I've been listening to your podcast mm-hmm. and now I'm doing this at my workplace. And it, yeah. Oh or my God, I'm, doing, amazing. I'm doing this now in community or I, I just went to my first event or like, and p- it really freeing people up. And when I was doing seminars or writing the book, you know, I don't have that kind of contact with people. Mm-hmm. You don't get the, the there's follow not a term, up. the follow up. Yeah, that's it. That's how I'm yeah. saying it. And so that was wonderful. And the other thing that I've, I've really loved is that I was always struggling for a way to reach chubby chasers hmm. because, you know, the chubs have, it's not that chubs have infinite resource, but you know, if you're fat and you, you, you can talk to another fat person about being fat. If you're a chaser, <laughs> that's usually the end of the road, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Chasers rarely, well, because you can't, you, you can tell a fat person at sight. You really can't tell a chaser at sight. Yeah. I've had <laughs> multiple chasers describe to me the relationships between chasers as being enmity. You know, <sighs> I, I think competition that, for resources. I think that is true of some people in general mm. that they see all relationships as competitional. Yeah, if that's I, a word. Competitive. <laughs> I don't. I I would say that's true, but I would have said that's true a couple of years ago, and just yep. the other day I was talking to a chaser who's like just so eager to like connect with other chasers. Yeah, and I, think, I think that just might be something with like. I mean, the podcast. Nah. <laughs> but I think no. also just like the age of the community and just yeah. how things are changing. And I think the the more awareness around and it. And I've certainly heard that competition thing from Jubs. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, oh, like if, if, I believe it. if he's into that, then he can't, like, uh, I, I, eh, well, and that ties into the whole, like, perceived scarcity. Yeah, the like whole perceived more scarcity. More Chubs than Chasers. But I guess my point is that it's, it has always been a puzzle for me how to reach Chasers because they, even if they self-identify, which is not a given, they may not show up at an event and then show up at my seminar or, yeah. you know, or then buy my book. Blah, blah, blah. So this has been, and you know, and then, you know, there's obviously monetary obstacles for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost anybody can listen to a podcast. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's, it's a low barrier. To it's entry. a low barrier to entry, certainly lower than going to, you know, paying a thousand dollars for an event mm-hmm. or, you know, even, you know, buying a book. Mm-hmm. So I love that it's, it's, it's gotten, that's always been my thing because I think chasers really, really, we, we need the work, like the inward, in, the, the introspection. And the education. The education. Yeah. And it's not that chubs have it everywhere. It's just that, well, you know, chubs talk to each other. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily that we've got like all the answers. It's just creating the space to talk about things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to You're never going to find an answer agree. if you don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. It's like, you know, we're not, Sometimes we've got a good answer for something and sometimes we don't, but at least there's the space to talk about it and then open the door to people to write in and we do a mailbag mm-hmm. about it and then it becomes a grander discussion than, you know, sitting in your room alone and wondering about things. Well, there's also a huge difference between I don't know the answer to this versus wow, a lot of people don't know the answer to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, and then you all get to have a, a shared perspective on something. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think you know, for the people who are alone in their room, they can listen to us and kind of get get a sense of community and see the possibility that there are, it is possible to connect to people and have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don, what about you? What, what's yes. been your, your sense of growth or change or We all look at Don now. I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling very put upon all of a sudden. I, I think my expectation was just to learn more about sort of fatness and fat community. Um, and I did get that, but I think the biggest perspective shift has been in dating 
less focus on sort of my own anxieties and insecurities and a greater understanding of the chasers oh, God, insecurities yes. and anxieties mm-hmm. because hmm. To, mm-hmm. Until we started talking about it on the podcast, that did not exist for me. Oh. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that they were sort of self-satisfied, that, you know, they had the power because there were few of them and, few, and you know, that I wanted them more than they wanted me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. And talking about it with you guys has been a lot more enlightening than I ever expected this to be. So yeah. hmm. um, that has been very useful for me and in starting up new relationships and friendships and things like that. Yeah. It's related to kind of this whole discussion, our original uh, logline description of the show involves saying two experts and two laymen, which oh. I'm not sure that really applies anymore. I'm wondering if we should update that in some way. It's not pressing. It's just like it, it's like it's been three and a half years now. I'm not sure that really applies I, anymore. I still say that I learn new things every episode. Sure, know? I'm not saying. No, I mean, no, I, I think we think, all learn. Things. Yeah, we yeah. all like press the button. Press the button. Oh wait, what's the? Do? We all learn things. Yes. Uh, it, it. Sorry, it took me a while, but <laughs> I got there in the You're end. You're right, Trevor. We. <laughs> <did>. <laughs> How insightful. Um, I, I didn't realize that before you said it. <laughs> I mean, listener, what have, what have you learned by listening to us? And Good what, segue. That's actually a serious question. Yeah, I'm, love I, I, let you. us know. We're on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> as Tonal Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Uh, five stars everywhere. Support us on Patreon. See me dancing caftans. Yeah. Pa- uh, Patreon.com slash Big Fat Gay Pod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Maybe you're, you're the person we talked about who's listening in their room, and we're all... We're with you. We're, we're gathered all, around. We're all sitting... We're all... Imagine us all, like, we're like with our feet up, kind of <laughs> we're on the floor, you know, eating bonbons. I'm, I'm at, on my back with my legs up on the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's I'm a good kick, one. I'm doing some air kicks, and I'm flipping through a magazine of cute boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm getting down the... The Barbie's mystery date game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, but we're making too much noise and your your mom's banging on the door, so watch out! <laughs> <laughs> uh.